Welcome to All Villa, No Filler. Remember to subscribe to the show, follow us on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. This is Rivalries. Today, I'm joined by Greg O'Keefe. He's a senior writer from The Athletic, and he also co-hosts the Everton fan-led podcast, All Together Now. Greg, it's great to have you back on the podcast. Good to see you. I'm glad to see Villa doing so well this season. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But first of all, uh, we'll get to Everton. Um, you know, Greg, what's your overriding feeling for Everton fans going into the game against Aston Villa this weekend? Well, Everton have had like, a bit of a pause from action uh, in the Premier League anyway. Um, and it's probably much needed. They've got one of the smaller squads in the top flight and it's, it's told over the last three games they've gone from really booking everyone's expectations after they got that points deduction by going on a, an unbeaten run of five games. Now, you know, it's a reality sort of hit home. And obviously last time out in the Premier League, it's pretty much the, the nadir of that kind of um, reality check, if you like, when they were beaten 3-0 away by Wolves. And it was a very uncharacteristic Everton performance. So the biggest thing about Sunday is, I think, getting back to... Getting back to trying to get not just obviously winning ways, but a bit of the, the real selves because they weren't themselves against Wolves. And and what that identity and that real selves is under Sean Dyche is something that the players and the fans have bought into. And it's all about the cliched fundamentals. They, they work extremely hard for one, for one another, probably in the awareness that they don't have that many outstanding players in terms of technique or vision or anything like that. The days of James Rodriguez and so on and so forth are well and truly over. But they make up for that lack, perhaps, with, with the work rate, the extreme fitness and the organisation under Sean Dyche. Um, so I think it's going to be getting back to that with the little rider that, other than actually Wolves, perhaps, away, their low point of the season, the only other time when you could say they just didn't deliver and deserved to lose was at Villa. Um, definitely the second game, I think it was. Yeah. And it was the poorest performance from Everton point of view. Anyway, obviously you've got to give Villa credit, but um, maybe there'll be a chance to atone for that against um, a team that, you know, we used to be neck and neck so often, didn't we? You and I often discuss that and you know, Villa have pulled away now and, and um, maybe that'll be in the back of their minds as well to remind everybody that uh, that, that Everton are still punching above the weight this season. Yeah, I um, it, it is. It was quite incredible how uh, it seems to have a galvanising effect. The points deduction, um, where Everton sort of, I think you lost three nil to Manchester United, but then went on a really good run. Right, but yeah, yeah, like I say, you kind of you've fallen off a little bit in recent games. It, it, is that partly because I mean? I've sort of said this about Villa as well, that we had so many games in December that towards the end of it, it felt like we'd reused a lot of the same players. Yeah. It felt like the energy levels weren't quite the same as they had been earlier in the month. Uh, have Everton, you know, with the small squad, have they had a similar experience, do you think? Yeah, completely. And, and, and you know, unlike with Villa, perhaps you, you might say otherwise, but Everton don't have much depth. You know, their first 11 are going to give anyone a game. Uh, but then around that, you know, you've had... They did sign Beto from Udinese in the summer and he's adequate striking cover for Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, they don't have players that can automatically come into that team and make a big difference in, in the key areas of midfield and, and out wide. Uh, Arno Danjuma, who's, who's on loan from Villarreal, has been hit and miss and flattered to deceive, to be honest. So 
what it's meant is when they've lost players like Abdoulaye Decore, who's been the player of the season, they've had to kind of move things around within a limited bunch of players to try and plug that gap. And it, it's just not do. They had Jack Harrison, who's on loan from Leeds, who's, who's excelled in a wide role. They shifted him inside at one point and, and played him in that role behind Dominic Calvert-Lewin. So one of the three in central midfield, which Decore does so well, because what he'll do is he'll get forward and into the box when Everton are, are breaking and whipping these crosses in and he'll try and get second balls. But then when he's needed, he'll drop back into midfield. So taking him in out of the equation has been a bit of a blow. Right. Jack Harrison, as I mentioned, has, has sort of got the, the energy, if not quite the prowess, the goal scoring prowess, and he's tried to fill that. But then you're taking him away from the wing and you're looking, well, who's going to come in and, and fulfill, you know, replicate his work right there? And you struggle because Dan Juma just doesn't work as hard. So mm. um it's been a it's been a quandary. And obviously Dwight McNeil is like the archetypal Sean Dyche player as well. And he's, you know, felt the pinch of all those games throughout December, like like you mentioned, and, and picked up an injury in the FA Cup game at Palace. So um I think this break that I mentioned at the top of the, the pod will will hopefully have done Everton good. I know there's been talk of the players had extra time off, particularly ones who've been in and in the team every week. You know, mm. your, your James Tarkovsky's, your Michelenko's, your Jordan Pickford's, and hopefully they're a bit rested and maybe even the extra day at the weekend, they play obviously on Sunday. It gives them a chance to um, to compete really and show what they're about. Yeah, well, you mentioned him there, and uh, one big piece of news is that Dominic Calvert-Lewin has had his red card uh, rescinded yeah. that he picked up in the FA Cup against Crystal Palace. Um, so he's obviously not going to be suspended for the game this Sunday. Uh, how important is it to have Calvert-Lewin playing against the Villa? Really important, because although it's fair to say he's not been in goal-scoring form lately, mm. he's still Everton's best striker, and he still gives the team a focal point and a work rate up front that you need for Sean Dyche's team and, and a game plan, like I mentioned earlier, to be effective. You know, it needs a target man. Now, Beto can be that as well, probably without the finesse of Dominic Carvalho. Mm -hmm. And so I think there was such an uproar over his red card um, against Crystal Palace. But actually, having watched that game, I thought he, he could have been taken off earlier before he was sent off, not because of discipline issues, but just because he looked he looked spent. And what he has done recently, to be honest, Frankie, is he's missed good chances. And Everton aren't, don't have enough creative, creativity in the final third to miss the amount of really good chances they have. That That's the difference between winning games for Everton. They just don't. They don't have that many goals from midfield, the core aside. So they need Calvert-Lewin to get his eye in again. Uh, it's not through lack of work rate. And I think he's one of those strikers who scores in clutches. So when one goes in, he'll relax and they'll they'll start to come more often. But um, it's great to have him available and not suspended for three games. That would have been inconceivable, really, for given the nature of the red card. But uh, he really needs to start putting away some of those chances. Yeah. And, you know, there's other key players as well. Um, Dwight McNeil, who I think, from what I've seen of Everton this season, Dwight McNeil's been one of your best players, I, I yeah. think. Um, yeah. And... Uh, Abdelou Ducore as well. So so what's the uh, update on both of them? And uh, if they are injured and out of the game, how big a loss are they? I think as it stands, uh, Everton have always been looking at Sunday for Abdoulaye Ducore's potential return. Okay. And if that is the case, like I say, it's a huge lift for, for Everton. He's a massive part of Everton being a bit more clinical in the final third, which is not something that they're good at. 
take him out of the team, they're really bad at it. So that's important. Um, I don't think it's gonna it's gonna be one where Dwight McNeil's ready in time. His injury looked really serious against Palace. Now we're still waiting to hear how serious. There's been a bit of radio silence on that. And obviously Sean Dyche will speak to the media tomorrow, um, Friday. Um, so we'll know more then. And every everyone in a royal blue sort of bent is just keeping their fingers crossed that it's not a serious one because like you say, it's a toss between him and Decore for who's being Everton's two best players. Mm. If neither can play, it makes the task against Villa so much harder. It really does. Um, they'll give it a go. And I thought, you know, that they were brilliant after Dominic Cavalloon was taken off against Palace. They really kind of kept the, the pressure on Palace and the pressing and the work rate showed how fit they are as a squad. But, um, yeah, when you've got such a small group of players, you can't take away the two best players like that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I say, like from what I've seen of Everton, I think those two players have really stuck out to me this season. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, got to mention it, you know, the points deduction. Um, how has that kind of impacted Everton and, you know, on the pitch and even as a fan base, really? I think the first thing to say in, in terms of the, the whole club is that, you know, conversely, it's probably had a positive impact right. on the relationship between the, the club itself, the players and the fans. It's galvanised them. It's given them a, a commonality that they've lacked in recent seasons. There's been a lot of infighting amongst the the, the board, the, the fan base, a lot of negativity and, and actually quite toxic at times the last couple of years. I'm sure you've noticed it when you've been coming to Goodison or you've just probably heard the noise around mm. the ownership and um various instances that have that have pushed the fans to march against the the former uh board i should say it's really brought the club together now that's not to say it's a positive thing it's an outrageous um punishment yes everton were in breach of, of the proper to sustainability rules and yes therefore they deserve to be punished but i think most people in football can agree 10 points was unduly harsh and we wait with bated breath really to see not only what the Everton lodged an appeal against that not only what the outcome of that is when that is decided upon and just how it affects Everton's season and the Premier League season and the integrity of the competition in general because mm. I'm going off topic here a bit mate but I feel it's potentially going to be absolutely chaos because you could have Everton likely to have Everton who are involved in the relegation battle if they all of a sudden get, let's say, four points back or more, then they move clear and other teams drop into it. Are they going to complain and, and and lodge appeals to the Premier League and threaten to sue Everton, the league? It's it's just going to be chaos mm. before you even think about the potential uh, charges against clubs based on their most recent accounts. And I'm talking obviously about Chelsea and Nottingham Forest. Yeah. I don't know where it all ends. Yeah, the the forest one's interesting as well. They could be in in for a bit of trouble. Um, it, it it's it's definitely very fascinating. The only thing I can compare it to when you think of like you know other clubs suing others are maybe Sheffield United, West Ham, yeah. years and years ago. But it's yeah. that's a very very different um scenario. But again, yeah, as you say, chaos. It'd be an interesting one to watch develop. But um, uh, yeah, earlier this season, you know, uh, I went to see I think the second game of the season when Villa beat Everton four 0 Sorry to remind you of that. Um. 
I genuinely, I, I was sat in the stadium and I was absolutely shocked at how poor Everton were that yeah. day. Like really, really, like, and I, I think it came a week after you'd lost at home to Fulham. I want to say one nil. That's right. Um, yeah, the first game of the season. Yeah. No. So and I, after that, I did think like because I always sort of Everton are a team that's like they, they won't go down. They'll, they'll find a way. Um, yeah. But after that game, I did think, oh goodness me, that's going to be tough. But you, Everton have you know if their points hadn't been deducted, you'd be you know really performing pretty well in the league this year. So what do you think it is you know that that's managed to turn around from such a terrible start to the season? What what is it that's just worked? Um, I think. Sean Dyche has had time, you know, he, last season, obviously, he came in towards the end of the season just with the remit of keeping him up after yet further management up, upheaval, replacing Frank Lampard. And he probably had limited time to put his real stamp on how he wanted things to go, the playing style and, and generally on the fitness standards. He, he had to work with what he had and he dragged them over the line, if you remember, against Bournemouth on the final game of the season. He's since had a pre-season, obviously, and, and more time to embed his values and his coaching team's values. Uh, and that's helped. A lot of that's about resilience and, and physical uh, prowess. And like I said earlier, you know, they're not a very eye-catching team, but they do create chances. They do have a high XG. Mm. And if they can take the chances, they'll win more often than they'll lose. I think at the start of the season, probably a hangover from that Fulham game that you mentioned, when they actually played pretty well and then didn't take their chances, and then suffered a couple of sucker punches at Fulham. I felt sorry for themselves, and it looked, you know, a sucker punch, and they lost the game. First game of the season in front of the home fans. It's never a good look, is it? Mm. So I think they went into the Villa game possibly feeling a bit sorry for themselves, and were absolutely schooled by Villa. And, you know, you've seen what Villa have done since. That's kind of, in some ways, no surprise. But mm. that was hands down the worst performance at, at Villa Park. I expect a lot better than that, and obviously yeah. they they were. They were better in in the League Cup, weren't they? Um, against the Villa, yes. so yeah, yeah. Um, it'll just be really interesting. Like you know, there's two managers there in Emery and Dice. You've got you know clear principles about the game. There's a there's a clear identity that they've built, um, and they're not particularly similar. I wouldn't imagine having watched Villa this season, but it'll it's it, it'll be good to see how you know Everton approach Villa at home. Uh, Everton just don't want the ball. They're not a particularly good possession team. They love to be a counter-attacking team, and and you know, even at home, more often than not, they they're having a lower possession rate. So it'd be great to see how they match up. Um, and um, as I said at the, at the top, whether they can kind of get a psychological atonement for that horror show at Villa Park. All Villa, no filler on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. <laughs> yeah, um, I, yeah. I think what might have happened as well is I think Villa early in the season might have caught a few teams by surprise just with sort of how fluid and attacking we actually are. Possibly, and, yeah. um, maybe Everton just got caught cold by that a little bit and probably have learned from teams like Sheffield United recently who sit deep against us, Nottingham Forest sat deep against us. We seem to struggle a little bit against uh, low blocks or struggle to break them down rather and then... When teams hit us on the counter, that can be a bit of a, an issue. So I'll be interested to see that dynamic play out if it does uh, a good as this Sunday, I think. Um, actually, one player I did want to ask you about, um, Jared Branthwaite. Uh, he's getting linked with a lot of big clubs at the moment, you know, like uh, the I think Real Madrid was one of them. Um, yeah. 
you know, uh, it's the nature, isn't it? When Villa or Everton have a really good player, we always just get used mm-hmm. to these other clubs getting linked to them. Um, yeah. How good is he? Really good. You know, like he, <clears throat> he's, he reminds me in some ways that obviously they're, they're different in, in others, but of John Stones. Uh, right. In the sense of he came from a, like a rather unfancied club in terms of Stones with Barnsley, Branthwaite, Carlisle, and, and came with a reputation, but also of being a, a really astute bit of recruitment. And much bigger, more commanding, powerful athlete than Stones was at that age. But look, even even his early displays after he joined, there was something, you know, the odd cup game here and there, um, needed a bit of refinement. And so then, you know, to see him go and get a loan at PSV was interesting. Showed you what Marcel Brands, our former director of football, now the sporting director of PSV, saw in him as well. And he went and played there for a season and really matured, played a lot of games, actually, in a club that are expected to compete uh, for the title in, in Holland and obviously this season are having an exceptional season mm. uh, and there was they were genuinely gutted to lose him back to Everton and he got his chance this season under, under Daesh and he just has not looked back and you know, when I say John Stones I mean some of the hallmarks are that comfort in possession that really elegance on the ball the, the calmness to pick a pass in the back he's probably not like Stones in the sense that you could probably play John Stones anywhere in say, let's say in the midfield or central midfield or across the back and he'd look like a Rolls Royce but Branthwaite said he looks like a classy centre-back who'll, who'll always pick the right pass and physically he's an absolute monster you know he, he's 6'4 I think 6'5 even great in the air uh, and for his age like I say extremely composed and mature uh, it doesn't surprise me I know Davide Ancelotti stayed in touch with him that's Carlo's son former yeah. Everton manager and assistant manager. And no doubt he is on the lists to watch of the best clubs in Europe. Um, I don't know what you, about you, but these days it seems like in the past Everton who had a player breakthrough like that, you got a season or two where you could, and now it seems like they're almost plucked off your hands within a season or mm-hmm. certainly the threat of it's there. So I wouldn't be confident of keeping him at the summer. Uh, I'd be... Surprised if he moved on in January, but you know his list of admirers is only going to get longer. And while the uncertainty over Everton's ownership continues, obviously there's currently a, um, a an outstanding progress for process. Sorry, for seven 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 partners to become the club's new owners. Mm. Uh, they're vulnerable. Everton are skint, um, and they need they need to bring in as much money as they can. They're running at a loss. They've piled on debt, and so um, you know if a serious offer came in. Even this month, it would be interesting to see what happened, God forbid. But in the summer, he could well be playing his football elsewhere, unfortunately. Right. OK. Um, well, um, looking at Aston Villa, you know, uh, I, for me personally, it's the most incredible season. I think, you know, I started supporting Villa in 92, 93 when we came second. So I was very, very spoiled in my early years thinking, there are a team who do really well and win things <laughs> like the Coca-Cola Cup. Uh, yeah. Lo and behold, 30 years later, that's not quite come to pass. But, <laughs> um, you know, uh, this season things have changed. We've got a fantastic coach yeah. and manager. But kind of as as an outsider to Aston Villa, what what, what do you make of um, Villa's overall performance this season? I suppose just quite pleased for them. You know, I, I think it's lovely to see a club outside of the recently established uh, top four, but not just break into it. 
but really set the cat amongst the pigeons by becoming a title contender. Mm. It's just it's just what football's all about, isn't it? I know the the easy comparison is Leicester, but obviously Villa are playing a more modern brand of football and they're actually holding their own with teams that everyone's supposed to vet, you know, sort of worship like at City and Liverpool. Um and then also I think it's nice to see I always liked Unai Emery's severe teams. I, I was mm. blown away at how he managed to just dominate the Europa League um with them. So it was a shame to see see it not work for him at Arsenal. And you know, obviously with hindsight, probably Arsenal looked at it and say he wasn't given enough time. But I just love it when, you know, someone who's been cast asunder as, you know, you kind of uh, the, the trendy thing for five minutes proves his credentials. And, you know, I think to see him do that at a big club in England and, and all of a sudden have them, you know, it's a bit Ranieri-esque, isn't it? All of a sudden have them right there in the mix. Mm. I'd love to see Villa win the title. Mm. Unfortunately, I kind of, I hope, really hope I'm wrong. I can't see that happening, but... Mm. You know, even seeing them getting into the Champions League would be would be tremendous, wouldn't it? So, um, yeah, I've been from afar. I've been really impressed with everything that they're about, and you know the football they're playing. And uh, yeah, long may it continue apart from Sunday, obviously. <laughs> yeah, it's been a, as I say, an extraordinary season playing football. Like there's times I've sat there in Villa Park, like laughing out loud at sort of this, um, yeah, you know, play that's been on show. It's just it's unbelievable to watch, really. Yeah. Um, but you know. Uh, you know, amazingly, um, you know, Villa, it's always Villa who seems to have a bad record against other teams, you know, yeah. years and years that being someone. But somehow we actually have a good record against Everton and Everton have yeah. not beaten Villa uh, in about eight years, I think, uh, uh, somehow. Um, so, you know, other than that kind of poor recent record, uh, is there anything else in particular that gives you cause for concern uh, this Sunday uh, against Villa? Like any players in particular or anything else? Um. Yeah, I think one to eleven. You know, Villa, Villa can, can cause Everton problems, and and Luca Dean's obviously been been playing really well, and type of player who just sods law would would score a free kick or uh, outside the box, you know, against his old club. Um, but I think for me, it's the worry is that we if we do go into the match without the players that we discussed, Decore and McNeil, it makes a tough task much much harder. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, Everton are defensively really good and I'll be tested on, on Sunday. Um, I just think you mentioned the low block. I'd be amazed if Everton didn't do just that, yeah. sit back, defend really deep and try and do what they're good at, which is hit teams on the counter. Um, so I guess it'll just be whether or not Villa can, can find a way through that. Um, certainly I think it's going to, you I mean it'd be great to see what you think of Jared Branthwaite as well, but uh, you know Everton have on the right back side Nathan Patterson, who has sort of been up and down since he, he came from from Rangers, a young youngish lad who can sometimes be a little bit uh, defensively suspect. Now that it might be that they play Seamus Coleman, the captain, who's fit again. Mm. He's been tremendous. Uh, throughout his career, clearly, and an absolutely brilliant club man. Uh, but at 34, nearly 35, could Villa have some joy over there? I mean, where where do you sort of see Villa exploiting? And who do you think Evertonians should be worried about on Sunday? 
Yeah, well, I think the the player who's been having an absolutely exceptional season after two years of sort of struggling and being a bit middling in form is Leon Bailey. Just out there on Villa's right-hand side, um, his form has just been absolutely off the charts. Every yeah. game he seems to be putting in an 8, 9, 10 out of 10. Um, and he just has that, you know, to quote Stephen Gerrard, a moment of magic, but he does kind of, yeah. He do, he can do that, um, yeah. and and it, but it's not just that. It's it's almost like his attitude is different. You know, people will do physical challenges on him now. He seems to just sort of get up. Like in the past, he would have stayed down and probably writhed around a little bit. And his interchange with Musa Diaby, who plays as our second striker, Folly Watkins. Those two on the right hand side have a really nice relationship. Um, I do. I think Luca Dean's likely injured this weekend because right. uh, okay. shoulder injury got against United. So. Alex Moreno is coming back out there on the left with probably with Jacob Ramsey. But those two have had very long-term injuries. And so they're still kind of coming back to form, really. So the left-hand side was where we were really strong last season. Yeah. And with the addition of Pau Torres, actually, Torres, Moreno and Ramsey with space to play into would be absolutely devastating. But I kind of feel like Ramsey and Moreno are still getting back to full fitness. Yeah. Torres is coming back from an injury. Um, Yuri Tielemans is out as well, I think with an injury that he's a big miss. Yeah. Um, so I think the right-hand side with Bailey and Diaby, if they, they're the two um, Emery goes with, it'll be interesting to watch whether Everton can cope with them or whether they decide yeah, yeah. to double up. Um, Watkins, of course, is always you know a real danger. Yeah. He's a predator. Um, and then if somebody's going to control the game, it's likely going to be Douglas Ruiz in the middle. Um, he's yeah. he's a super, super midfielder. Genuinely. Incredible. Looks yeah. like a Real Madrid player, really. Um, but I, I think... Yeah, I, the, but the one thing with Villa, though, is, you know, as I said, you know, with Nottingham Forest away, Sheffield United, Drinsky, Mostari came to Villa Park, um, Burnley, sort of. Um, these kind of low blocks or the deep line defences when they come up against Villa, um, we do tend to sort of look a little bit, um, we have a pattern of play and we fall into it. I mean, it's quite difficult to improvise and get out of it. So if Everton mm. were to be disciplined and hold out, right out the first 20 minutes and just let settle into the game yeah. and hitting us on the counter. I think Everton could definitely do it. Um, Sheffield United did it, so why couldn't Everton? It'll be interesting just just on a side note, we, we spoke about Jared Branthwaite there, but I should have mentioned Paul Torres because, you know, you just love to see a defender like that, you know, oh. signed by a club like Villa who just comes with a, a good reputation anyway and fits so fluidly into the Premier League Yeah, straight away. Not only gets it defensively, but just brings that sheer touch of class to to what he does on the ball. He's been a, a delight to watch from you know from the outside looking in. Yeah, he's been absolutely brilliant for us, and arguably our most important player. Given that you know when he pushes forward, his his passing is um it's like a he's he's almost like a classic kind of Spanish CDM style. You know, very. A yeah. good tackler, but also on the ball, so technically gifted. He's a, he's a, he's a yeah. wonderful player, yeah. really. I say yeah. that now, we'll go and get out-muscled by Calvert-Lewin or something, and yeah. <laughs> hopefully not, um, for me anyway. Um, so, uh, you, you know, uh, like I say, it has been it has been eight years um, since Everton managed to get the win over Villa. But, uh, you know, this Sunday, uh, I'm going to ask you a prediction. Um, it's, it's always a fool's game. No one ever seems to win at it. But do you think this could be the weekend finally it ends, or... Are you not feeling too hopeful given some of Everton's injuries? It's I almost want to give you two predictions, one without Decore and McNeil and one with them, but um I can't be that selfish. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of air uh, that we'll get that 
Decore will come back, McNeil won't. And that's really important for us to at least have Decore back. Uh, and I am going to, it sounds like sitting on the fence, but it's probably more like what what I, I think would be our best our best option, realistically, which would be a draw. Uh, they do love a draw, these two teams, don't they? Yeah. Sometimes, you know, high-scoring ones in the past. So I'm going to go for 2-2. Two, two. That's exactly the score I'm going for as well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think 2-2. Two, two. I think Everton will get, I think at home, crowd, noise, um, yeah. have a couple of weeks away. Uh, I just yeah. think both clubs will go into it and I think it'll be a proper ding-dong battle, hopefully. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, so, so Greg, um, like I mentioned, you're at The Athletic. Uh, for those who, who don't know, uh, where can they find your work and you online? Brilliant. So yeah, um, my work is is on, as you say, on The Athletic, um, which has been working there now for the past three, three and a half years. Absolutely loved it. I know our Villa coverage is is really strong and has been. And uh, I was covering Everton and this season I've been on a slightly different remit, covering players from the US team and Americans who are playing in Europe and the UK. So that's been really really different and interesting. I'm getting to, to go and do some interesting interviews. And I'm in Germany next week, speaking to Joe Scally at Mönchengladbach and then hoping to get over to Eindhoven as well, because there's three Americans in PSV are absolutely tearing up at the moment. Um, so that's been good fun. Um, yeah. And you can follow my tweets on all those things of at Greg. Okay. G R E G. Okay. On Twitter. Thank you so much, Greg. Thanks for joining us. And uh, like I say, Everton, the definition of a, of a proper club, um, very similar to Aston Villa in many, many, many ways. Um, so I wish Everton all the best this season uh, and you as well, apart from this Sunday, of course. But obviously, I wish you and Everton the best for the rest of the season. Thanks for coming on, Greg. It's been a pleasure. Good luck for the rest of the season. Thank you.